0: Did you read the little blurb at the top of the bulletin? says, welcome missionaries, and it came in. Now, Some people look at the bulletin cards, some people don't. We try to keep everyone updated. Some people are email people, some people don't ever check email. Some people are paper people, some people are text people, some people are none of the above people, and I don't know. I just pray that God somehow miraculously communicates information to you all, but we try. That thought, that word, welcome missionaries, is kind of what I want to talk about this morning. And really what I want to talk about this fall. I'm hoping to approach my teaching this fall more as a teacher than as a preacher. Because what I'm hoping that you will approach our services like this fall, as if you are coming to be equipped to be missionaries. Missionary training school, if you want to think of it that way. I'll say more about that in a second. If you read the newspaper, if they even make those anymore, if you get the news sent to your computer or your phone, you watch the news on TV, if you talk with friends, you recognize that the world is a crazy place and a scary place, and lots of terrible things are happening all the time. There's lots of good things happening as well, but there's lots of terrible things happening all the time. And just this past week someone asked me the same question that I get asked a million times. How do we as a Christian, how do we as Christians kind of handle this? What do we do with that? When you see tragedies, when we see shootings, whatever it may be, political things at work on a global scale, injustice, racism, all sorts of things. When we see these things, what do we do with that as Christians? It leads some people to become really angry. We have a lot of uh, angry Christians who see the injustice in the world and just feel like it's not right. See people who are saying things that we don't agree with, and so we fight back in that way, and it kind of raises up our ire, if you could say it that way. We have others that get really fearful. Now, what are we going to do? What's this world going to be like for me, for my kids as they're growing up? What happens if this happens? What if this escalates? What if, what if, what if? I would like to propose that the answer to that question is that the world just desperately needs Jesus. In every one of these situations, think about what it would be like if Jesus was the one moving in that scenario? What if, in every diplomatic conversation, Jesus was the one doing the negotiations? What if, in every racist environment, Jesus was the one standing there saying, Here's the truth, here's the lie, here's the love? What if he was the one mediating all of those? What if, in all those areas where there's so much fear, he had the confidence? Of a Jesus who came back from the dead. And what if, in all those areas of anger where we feel the righteous indignation and then which turns into often to judgment and you know, bitterness, what if in that we were like Jesus as people are crucifying him? He prays, Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. What What? if? Jesus was the one moving in every scenario. Kind of helps with the fear a little bit. (laughs) Kind of minimizes the anger a little bit, doesn't it? Kind of brings the love, brings hope, brings things miraculously. So when the situation is dire, it's not dire. It's logically and at a human level impossible, but through God, nothing's impossible. God's word says to each of us who follow Christ, all of his disciples, each of you are the body of Christ, and individually you are members of it. So when I feel like the world needs Jesus, and that Jesus is the answer to those scenarios, to those questions, to those fears, to all those things, I think we need to say we are Christ to this world. We are the body of Christ operating in the world. In every country, in every place, at every level, at every age, God's people are there. And he's sending us to be there on purpose in the same way that he sent his son to be here incarnate to say this is what God looks like. Meet him, love him, confess to him, follow him. He still incarnates. Christ is in us. We are the body. We are Jesus to the world. So maybe this seems like a very simple statement to you, but it's actually a profound statement because when we look at what we're supposed to do with the world, like, look here, look no further. We are the body of Christ. We are, the world needs Jesus. Who wouldn't want someone who would be willing to give all for the sake of others? That's us. Who wouldn't want someone that when they attack us, we respond with grace? That's us. That's Jesus, so that's us, because we're the body of Christ. Who wouldn't want someone that when the hate comes flowing, love is the response? Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want someone who's gentle and tender with the children, instead of abusive or neglectful? That's Jesus, that's us. Right? Who wouldn't want someone who's generous, instead of greedy? That's Jesus, so that's us, because we're the body of Christ. Each of us individually are together the body of Christ. So we could say, well, that was just Jesus. Too bad for the world now. So he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Or we could say, I'm a member of the body of Christ, so I'm going to go out and do something. But recognize it's individually we come together. We all are the body of Christ. Together we form the body of Christ. Not any one of us has every gift and knows everything. and We need one another. It's God's plan how it's meant to be. So Jesus is the answer. We are the body of Christ operating in the world at this time. Then we're supposed to be the answer. And not all will receive, not all will accept, not all will agree, that's fine, but we're supposed to be operating. I want to hear more stories of Christians being unstoppable voices for peace and love. For the truth of God and the grace of God. Because that's really what the world needs. All these tragedies, who will respond when tragedy strikes? Will it be Jesus? Will it be the body of Christ? I think it needs to be. And so that really is the heartbeat for why I want to spend some time, not just this morning, but this whole fall, in saying, what does it mean for us to be missionaries? To be God's people, to be Jesus sent out into the world. There's a a verse in Ephesians where it talks about pastors and evangelists and apostles. And it says, God gave these people to the body of Christ to help equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what my job is. My role is just to say, how can I help us all to go and live as Christ. So then the question is, how will God use you individually? What do you need to learn? What skills do you need to develop? How can you be Jesus for the world? And so that's what that little piece of paper is for. We get to our paper. I need you to write down a couple of thoughts. This paper needs to be just a few words of how you feel God could use you to be Christ in this world. You could think back over past experiences and say, these are ways that God has used me. You can think back to compliments that people have given you and said, you meant a lot to me in this moment. If you've done spiritual gift studies, you could say, I feel like these are some of my gifts. Write them down. If you have talents or hobbies or strengths, like, okay, you can offer those to the world in service of the king. Write those down. If you've had some dreams, like, I always wish I could and, and something for the Lord, write that down. But just make this little paper represent somehow that you are the body of Christ to the world. What does it look like in your mind's eye? I'll do the same thing for myself up here on my paper. Just take a minute. Put some thoughts on paper. Strange at first, what I'm about to ask you to do, but bear with me. It will make sense in a moment. Take a look at all those things that you feel are ways that God can use you in the world or has used you or will use you. And then rip it up. Rip it up. Rip it into a hundred pieces if you want. Just rip it up. All right. Those are all good things on the paper, so I'm not ripping up those things. But for you and for your identity as a missionary in this world, I need us all to recognize we are not self defining. We do not choose who we're going to be, who we want to be for God. We are not limited by what God has done with us in the past. So if you wrote, this is what God's done with me in the past, that's not a limitation on anything he could do with you in the future. And if you say, these are my dreams with God for the future, we need to put those before him with an open hand and say, if that's where you want me, you may have something completely different in mind. If we're waiting to be imaginative enough to dream whatever God could do with us in the future, our dreams will be too small, and then when we achieve our minor little goals, we'll think we've, got, we've arrived somewhere and we're done. One of the biggest differences between a Christian worldview and the worldview of this world, capital W, world, is that the world is trying to create its own identity. Who do you want to be? You can be whoever you want to be. You want to be this, you want to be that, you want to be this, Great. What do you choose to believe? What do you choose to wear? What do you choose to do? It's all self-identity. Be yourself. Choose yourself. Christians believe that God has purposefully designed us, that he has a path that he's leading us in, that we are the sheep and he is the shepherd. So the only question that matters is where is the shepherd leading? And if he wants his sheep to fly tomorrow, the sheep fly. But if sheep are waiting to fulfill only what they believe a sheep can do, Then they're limiting the shepherd by the qualities and characteristics of sheep. God has way more planned for all of us in this room than what He's already done. Because if not, right now is as good as it's ever going to be for you in your faith. Because all the places that you've been are just the places you could ever go. We're never going to see things like that, serve home, slide unless we step out and do things we've never done before because we feel the shepherd leading in that direction. What a crime. What a shame. What a sense of loss for what could be if we're the ones that have to define who we are. And how many times do we get later on in life, I got some white hairs to show I'm moving forward a little bit, and look back on earlier in life and say, I wouldn't do it that way again. But in that moment, with whatever limited resources and scope and knowledge and wisdom we have, we're doing the best we can. Sometimes we're not doing the best we can. But we recognize that at that moment, we didn't know all there was to know. Christians are not self-defining people. And missionaries are not self-defining. A self-defining missionary is a contradiction in terms. Because a missionary is meant to go and lead someone else to God. So the missionary puts themselves second. Third, God, others, themselves, steps into that and says, what do these people need? Parents understand this full well. You don't tell your infant how they're going to orient their day, what their needs are. They scream and you fix it. You orient yourself to them, but you know that the big picture qualities that they need are things like health and safety and love and touch, embrace, rest, nourishment. Okay, so you're giving them the big picture that they need, but you step into their world to make it happen. So the definition of a missionary is the overlap between God and the world. And that's why I wanted this thing here. Because if you look at the characteristics of God, you say, this is who God is. He's loving, and he has mercy, and he has justice, and he has all these things. And if you look at the world, missionaries, you're going to see things like loss and pain and fear and lies and deception and... Pain, I think I already said that one. So you've got all these things which are negative, and even if there's any good things in the world, they pale. They're short-term. They're limited. Oh, I had a good day, but then the next day is not. These things are temporary, even in their weakest good form. This is where the missionary stands, right in the middle. The missionary represents God to the world. The missionary steps into the world and says these are the characteristics of God, and it's in that overlap that you find your identity. If you're teaching our nursery, or like our four and five-year-old explorer class, and you step into them, and you start talking about the qualities of God, and you decide to focus on, say, purity, that was brought up before, which is a very perfectly age-appropriate prayer for our um, college students what if you step into the Explorers class and you start teaching about God's vision for sexual purity for their lives? Four and five-year-olds. It's true, right? This is definitely true. This is God, God has a vision. And so we're going we're to get our five-year-olds together and explain God's vision for their future sexuality and how they can use that to reflect God and unity and joy. This is like wrong, right? This conversation, I should stop before I even go any further. It's like wrong. Why? Because we're accurately describing God, but we have no idea who we're talking to. And so therefore, we are not useful to this group. We actually be harmful in that scenario to those beautiful little precious innocent ones. Because all we're doing is sort of steamrolling with what we know about God, irregardless of who and what they are and what they need. But if we leave this apart, we step into the world and we're just like, well... I'm just going to love everybody where they are. And I know not everybody's perfect, and I know not everything's good, but I'm just, just going to love it, love it, and leave it. Well, then, how is this ever going to change? Would you step into the aftermath of a shooting and be like, well, you we just want to love, and it's okay? It's not okay. There's nothing okay about that. Now, there's a lot more gray areas in life than a shooting and then an explorer's Bible class, but I'm painting the picture to try to make it as clear as we can. A lot of stuff happens right here on the margins, you know, right here in the middle, and you're trying to figure out what does the world need? What are the needs around me? Talk about children in general, school. Some people just have this heart for the children around us, whether they know them or not. All right, so if that's the area of the world that you're engaging in, what does God have to say to that? That's the missionary's identity. A missionary does not pick, often, their mission fields. God leads them to it based on his design, his calling, where he wants it to go. Abraham, you know, pick up your family and go to the place I'm going to show you. A missionary does not define who and what God is. We just learn and experience, and the more we know of him, we're like, oh. And the more we see his goodness, the more we look at the world, we're like, oh, it's such a, a broken version of what could be. And so then we step into this, this overlap between God and the world, and that's where the missionary works. So that's why I had you tear up those lists, because you could say, this is what God's done with me before, but you know what? You don't live where you lived before. You're not in that circle of friends that you were in before. You might not even live in the same part of the country that you lived before. You might not be in school or work that you were with before. You're not the same person that you were. So if you keep trying to operate with where you were before, eventually you kind of like sidestep the world and you're on your own little isolated tangent. It's not interacting anymore. It's trying to live in the past. And you're like, why is nothing happening? Why is this just kind of like a flat line? It's because we're supposed to be here, back here. You've got to kind of like step back and say, where where am I now in the world? And the same thing with God's character. If we don't keep digging more deeply into him, say we stop at the simple thing is God is love. Okay, well that's the basis of everything, so probably wrong words to say simple. But if we stop with one thing, well then we kind of say what we have to say and then we're done talking. What more is there to say? But God is an inexhaustible being. And the more you dig, the more you encounter, the wider this area is going to become. The more overlap you see. I get... Blamed by my kids all the time for inserting sermons into regular life. Like, oh, dad's preaching again. But it's because in my mind, I see this circle overlapping more and more. It just make, there's more things that were connected than I realized. And there's more things that God has to say about more things than I ever knew. And so I want to know more of him. I'm like, oh, right, well, then that impacts this. So the more we deepen our, our knowledge of God, the more we realize how we can work in the world. My growth area also needs to be this way. The more I know about the world, the more I realize where it needs God. And our awareness of actually the brokenness in the world brings more things into play that we knew theoretically or hypothetically from Scripture, but we see where it connects. And so I think you might find you're one way or the other. I mean, I feel like you're really immersed in the world but don't necessarily know what God has to say about it. Maybe you watch the news all the time, and so you're very well aware of what's going on, but you've never read the Bible through. Or maybe, as I'm sort of confessing to you this morning, maybe I'm spending so much time learning about the character of God and not enough time understanding where his character is overlapping with the world around me, that I'm not being as effective as a missionary for him kind of like a safe spot. Let's stay on this side of that. Let's stay, me and God, yeah, we're good. Let's enjoy that closeness. But then what about the lost and broken world? What about the fact that God sent his only son to die so that whoever might believe in him would have eternal life? God didn't send his son to judge the world, to condemn it, but to save the world through him, right? Right? Incarnational interaction, engagement. So let's read the scripture that's up on the wall probably behind me. And I told you to turn to Matthew, that's where I want us to look at Jesus. That's all we need to do. That's all we need to do. And this morning it's definitely where we need to start. So we're in Matthew chapter nine. Jesus has just finished his Sermon on the Mount. Um, talked about the cost of discipleship in the previous chapter. He's calmed the storm. He's healed some demon-possessed people. Healed a paralytic. Matthew, who's the author of this book, you see in verse nine of chapter nine, was just called. That's his introduction to Christ. He follows, and then amazing things start to happen through him. Jesus being questioned about fasting and about what religion looks like, and how does that overlap with God's character? Does some more healing. And so it's in this place in Jesus' life, his just daily engagement with the world around him. Because right here, this M, this is, this is Jesus. God in the world. And for Jesus, because he could see it all, those two circles were like right overlapping. <laughs> he saw all the needs. and He saw all of God all at the same time. And it's in that overlap for Christ, which is so broad, for us sometimes just so narrow, he says this. Verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, healing every disease, every affliction. Now when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He had compassion for them. He had compassion on the crowds. Why? Because they were harassed. And they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, it's his harvest, the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. So for Jesus, the overlap between these two was huge, right? He just saw it all. And for us, often it's like this. And We stand in the middle, kind of a foot in each world. It needs to look as much like Christ, and it will expand to look more like Christ when we look out at the world, and instead of having judgment for the sin of the world, we have compassion. I feel convicted on this point. I hope we all do. When we look out at the sins of the world, do we feel compassion or judgment? Someone wants to spend time with us, but they're not our kind of person, or we don't agree with their lifestyle, or we don't agree with their doctrine, do we respond with compassion or judgment? How did Jesus respond? When we see the needs of the world, the poor, are we ambivalent or do we have compassion? The homeless, the hungry, the fatherless. The fringes of society. When we see that, does it not affect us because we're not there? Do we not see it because we never look? Do we hope that someone else will step up and serve? Or do we have compassion? Compassion is that stirring of the heart. You feel it, right? You watch a a sentimental movie and you you feel it. MSPCA has the commercial about the puppies and the kennel and you feel it, right? Josie comes in and shouts to me, I'm five, I'm five, I'm five, I'm five! And you feel it. It's a feeling based on a real sense of love for that person who is not you. So define that by God. What sort of feelings do you think he has about a world that he made and about what's happening to it by people that he designed? Compassion. Ultimately, judgment. He's ultimately going to stop and fix. He's going to do that. But Jesus as God is engaging and inviting? Compassion. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. Notice in this passage also that Jesus is very active. This overlap for him is like a busy time. He's everywhere. He's all over the place. He's engaging with diseases because he has compassion on people who are sick. And he's engaging with uh, teachers who are teaching false doctrines or don't fully understand what God's word is trying to say. He's trying to bring them back. He's trying to purify the teaching. So he's teaching. He's healing. He's serving. He's loving. He's having meals. He's just very busy in this place because he sees so much overlap between who God is and what the needs of the world are. It compels him to action. This is why so many of us aren't doing anything with our faith speaking globally as a Christian church. I hope not representing us, but even us sometimes. Doing so little with our faith because we don't really know. So I believe in God, but my next, so neighbor, he's like, and she, they're pretty nice people. Like, what would I say to them? What, I don't know. My friend just lost a child in childbirth. I don't really know what to say. I got a friend over there. They're, they're, they come from a Buddhist tradition. That's their, I wouldn't want to offend. I don't know what We don't actually have any idea who God is, who the world is, or what we're supposed to do in there, but this is the definition of a missionary. We're trying to define ourselves, what should I do? Who knows what you should do? You don't know what you should do. I don't know what I should do. God knows what his plan is and exactly what you should do, and it's him wanting to engage with the world in an incarnational kind of way, and it can't happen by just sitting here on a Sunday. It can't. This can be a piece of the puzzle. All right? It's like a tiny little piece. That square there, good. That's Sunday. But it's not the thing. And in many ways, it's not even engagement with the world. So then it's not a very big part of the thing. It's just a part of the thing. Let's not elevate our gatherings when Jesus is looking to put us out into the world as his people. All right? So compassion, we see. see a lot of activity in this. We're studying uh, Psalm 23 this uh, summer for our children. I'm encouraging you all to read the book. Quiz time. How many people have read some or all of A Shepherd's Guide to Psalm 23? All right, all right. Got some hands. Everybody else? There's still time before the quiz. There's still time before the quiz. The quiz is coming, but don't worry. There's still time. you got plenty of time. Be like what Nancy prayed for. Don't procrastinate. Because if you have to stay up the whole night before to read the whole book, that's, that's unnecessary. You could just be starting now. Yeah, tiny book. Great book, inspiring us to recognize we are sheep. Jesus is our shepherd. The only question is, all right, God, where are you at work in the world? Jesus, what are you trying to do? How are you going to use me? It's not defined by how he's used us in the past. It's not defined by what we would like him to do with us in the future. It's just who is the world that we're around, and how does God relate to that, which requires us to know two things, the world and God. So I'm going to pass out one more paper today. You don't get to rip this one up, so it's not quite as fun of a paper, but um, one for everybody, if we can, I think. (sighs) Just about enough for one for each person. Even husbands and wives, please take your own. I'd love for you to stick this in your own Bibles, on your own dashboards, in your own wallets, whatever you need to do. This, uh... oh, thanks, Mom. You don't need to pass it, out. You got it? Can I still one as you go by? Oh, maybe. Oh, thanks. (laughs) The title says, The Communicable Attributes of God. The wonderful theological concept I would like to introduce to us. The Communicable Attributes of God. In this overlap between God and the world, we will most likely not become like God in becoming omnipresent. Ray Bartlett will most most likely not become present everywhere simultaneously around the world at the same time. He's very skilled. I wouldn't put much past it, but I don't think that's going to happen. In our living as God in the world, we most likely will not become all-powerful or all-knowing. The God in us has all the power we could ever need and will use us, but those are what are called his incommunicable They're not pass onable his incommunicable attributes. So when I'm asking us to consider what we look like, we need to reflect on the attributes of God that translate into us, that we can look like, that we embody, and that we live out. So they have to be the communicable ones. If I tell you to be God, and you're like, well, I can't speak something into nothing out of nothing, you say, well, God is always going to be God. But God wants to use you, and these are his attributes so we're going to read these, and I want you to think about where you see them in Jesus. I want to think about where you see them in yourself. And then think about what it would look like if we brought these characteristics of God into the world. How would it change the world if the world saw these things? What about holiness? God is holy. Jesus was so holy in the midst of you know dirty feet and unwashed hands of all things. Heresy, unwashed hands. He was holy, and he was different. He was God's man. He was God in those moments, every moment. Washing feet, he was holy. Jesus, are we? What would it look like if the world had holy people as lights? Wisdom. We're so foolish all the time. We're so stupid all the time. Why? And we're surrounded by massive amounts of stupidity in the world around us. This is like epic proportions. Except it's the same as it's always been. The world does not have God's wisdom. It never did. 1 Corinthians talks about this all the time. But God always has, and he does now. Jesus, think about the wisdom he had. What would it look like if we had that wisdom, the decisions we make, the things we do? What would the world look like if people of wisdom were speaking God's wisdom into it? You see where we're going with this train of thought? This is just a list of how God works in the world, how we can be like him, made in his image. What, if, what about Jesus' truthfulness, our truthfulness? What if there was more truthfulness in the world? Man, that's an amen statement. We want that. Love. The love of God. The love of Jesus. Our love. We are the body of Christ. What if there's more love in the world? Goodness of God. Jesus. Us. Doesn't the world need some goodness instead of more evil or more selfishness? Faithfulness. What if more of us kept our word? What if there was more permanence, more dependability, mercy, kindness, patience, Justice, righteousness, wrath. What if instead of hating people, we hated things like greed? What if instead of getting all angry about how someone handled a situation, we were angry because they didn't know any better? And look what they did. Imagine what could have happened if God was leading them. If in that decision, they were the overlap between God and the world. Imagine what that could have looked like. I'm so mad at my own limitations and frustrated by the flesh and so oppressed in the feelings of Satan against me and the spiritual force of this world. I'm fighting against it. What if it was like that instead of how can they believe that? How could they do that? Why would they say that? How can that happen? What if we recognize that our battle is not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities of this dark age? Then our anger would be directed like Jesus was. Against things like injustice and against things like evil and disease and against things like hypocrisy. Just wanting the good, wanting the best. Being so frustrated that it just doesn't arise. Jealousy. Are you jealous for your children to know God? Like, Oh, I just want it. I just want it. I can't make it happen, but I want it to happen. Like Jealous for it. That's God jealous for us. He wants us. Won't you just turn towards me? Won't you just come to me? Are we jealous for our neighbors who are lost, whose lives are falling apart? Are we jealous for our church family here as we struggle with things? Jealous for God's love to just show up. Jealous for God to step in and do something miraculous because he can and he has and he will. Oh, we want it. We crave it. We're begging for it. How about grace? Not what we deserve, but loving despite This small list represents who God is. And the more we immerse ourselves in who God is, the more when we step out of that little devotional time and look at the world you're like, shock value requires looking at both. Missionaries must look deeply into the character of God and deeply into the needs of the world and let themselves be defined by what they see as the overlap. And it will be different. Some people will look at the character of God as father. We're all adopted and look out at the world and see homeless and parentless children. That is the overlap that God has made you specifically to see. You see it. Others don't see it. So because you see that in the overlap, step into that. That is your calling. That is your mission field. You're called to represent things like holiness, wisdom, truth, patience, mercy, goodness, faithfulness, wrath, jealousy, and grace to where the places are in the world that you see it. Others might look at God and see the knowledge of God, all the unfathomable riches of his truth, and then look out at the world and be like, there's so many lies out there. Why why can't we just teach more and share more of this truth? God's showing you how his character through your eyes will make a difference. Step into that. Be a teacher. Find your forum. Find a place. Find a coffee shop. (laughs) Find a Sunday school classroom. Note, Sunday school teachers, there's an opportunity this fall. So find some place to teach if that's what God is giving you, but it's going to be different, and that's how the body of Christ operates to all the different needs. Needs like homelessness, I said racism before. That is a huge need in our world and in our country, in our lives, in our towns, in our families. What are we doing about it? Right? It's a fair question, because we're the body of Christ, and if Jesus was here, what would he be doing about it? God is here. What does he want to do about it? It's going to happen here. Not with just the knowledge of what God is good and not with just the fear of how lost the world is, but the fact that God has called us to be missionaries and stand in the overlap and he will define us. We find ourselves doing things for a missional group, for a community of people, be it homeless. or something. We've never served him before. We have no experience, no idea how to do it. Awesome. But if God's shown you that as a place where his love wants to overlap, then we'll step into it. Don't limit yourself to only ever having as your future only what you've experienced in your past. Don't try to guess, this is what I want Jesus to do in my life. That's not how God works. He made you, He knows you better than you know yourself, and He wants to lead you into where He wants you to go. So we are like sheep with a shepherd. We're still just sheep. We're the same sheep as the sheep around us. We've got a good shepherd. He's like, come this way. I've got green pastures, I've got still waters. I can prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies, so don't be afraid. I'm the shepherd. My rod my staff, they're going to comfort you. You see? Sheep and a shepherd. And we're looking at the other sheep, and they're wandering, and they're stuck in the brambles, and all like, ah, oh, poor sheep. I've been stuck in those brambles before, too. I see the overlap there. This is what God did for me. God overlapped my world in this way. I want to pull those in that are similar to what I've gone through. I want to show them what I see. I just want to show them the good shepherd. Jesus, who sees the full overlap. So, this is a a definition sort of Sunday. It's a starting of this time where I want us to wrestle with what does it look like to be missionaries in the world, and I would like it to be as practical as I can make it, not just theoretical. And so, for that reason, I'm going to ask you all to do some homework this week. All right? I'm going to ask you to read more of God's Word than you do the daily news but I'm going to ask that every day you read both with this in mind. The way I'm going to implement that is I'm going to read one news article in the morning. I never read the news. I don't, but I'm going to. So I'm going to step more out of the God bubble into the world and say, how is it going to relate? And after that, I am going to pray that God gives me compassion for the sheep involved in that story, and I'm going to pray that God sends out laborers into that harvest, because that's what Jesus did when he saw the crowds. So for some of you, you listen to the news and watch the news all the time, I'd like to ask that you pare that down. Because if we spend too much time just focusing on the world, that's where the fear and the anger comes to play more and more heavily because it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's it's worse, it's worse, it's worse. I would like to ask you to spend more time here than you do here. And that's why I've given you this piece of paper. I'd like to just read this after we read our article, listen to our podcast, whatever it may be. And think about how the characteristics of God might relate to that situation. I'd like us to actually practice, just for these six, seven days, on a daily basis, recognizing the overlap. But I want there to be more God than there is world. If there's more world than there is God, it becomes harder and harder to see through the mud. And if there's only God and no world, you have no idea where God could be involved. I'm just asking For us to consider both, I've given you a couple of tools. If you find another creative way to implement it in your week, awesome. But please start this fall season with me with this kind of approach, asking God what the overlap looks like for you. How does it relate? And then that's going to be some version of what God is saying to you, what the Holy Spirit will say to you in the overlap. So you have your paper. You have hopefully this as a concept. We're just going to pick up again next Sunday where we've left off. Session one of missionary training school is complete. Uh, We are going to close our service with some worship and put our focus on God one last time before we send us out into the mission field. You are being equipped to be missionaries in the mission field. You will be places that I am not good. We need you in all the places you are. But just try to open our eyes now to the overlap, the very unique particular overlap that God puts you in this week. Amen.